I'm going to go ahead and warn you, um, there's a slight chance I may have a coughing fit right in the middle of my sermon. So I'm, I've been healing about a week and a half ago, couldn't even utter a sound, so my voice every day has got a little better and better. But there are just really weird times when I just break out into a coughing fit. I got my water up here, got a cough drop in my mouth. If I do, just pray for me. I'm going to walk off, I'm going to cough up a lung, drink some water, and come on back and keep on preaching. Because I, I believe the Lord has a message, the enemy may come against it, and you're going to pray me through it, and I'm going to deliver this message. So just know if that comes, you're going to hear me going <coughs> a lot during the message. Just bear with me. I'll try to block the mic. But listen to the message, because I believe God wants to say something to you. I want to begin this morning by reading a psalm. It's a beautiful, short psalm over you guys. It's Psalm 100. So the psalm book is like right in the middle of the Bible. If you flip it open, you'll probably hit right in the middle. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to read Psalm 100 for you, and I want you to hear about our God before we get jumping into this message. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1, says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's what we've been doing so far, coming into his presence with worship, with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, that'll be really important in a moment. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen and amen. Here's one thing I know this psalm is teaching us and I have seen it proven to be true over and over and over again. Our God is good and our God is faithful. You believe that? He is good and he is faithful. And if there is anything I have seen of God over this last year, it is the goodness and the faithfulness of God. This morning is going to be more of a testimony than a, in a typical sermon. Uh, I, I deliver pretty much every January something I call the State of the Church Address, where I talk to you about how the church has been doing over the last year, and I try to talk about what I believe God is leading us to do for the church into the next year. And there's some of you, you're excited about that because you love your church. There are others of you going, are you kidding me? We're talking about the State of the Church Address? Listen, dude, my life is falling apart. I need a miracle from Almighty God, and you're going to talk to me about the state of the church? If you're feeling that way, I want to maybe correct a little bit of your biblical understanding. When I say the state of the church, I'm not talking about the state of the walls around us. I'm not talking about the state of the pastoral staff. I'm not talking about the state of the budget. I'm not talking about the state of the councils and committees. You are the church. So when I say I'm talking about the state of the church, I'm talking about the state of you. I want to tell you what God has done in you and through you this past year. And more importantly, I want to tell you what God is going to do in you and through you in the year ahead. And my hope is that by the time this sermon is done, that I'll have set a banquet table that you can feast on for the rest of the year because you know what God wants to do this next year. So this message is entirely about you. Just know that. And let me tell you, God has done some things through you. I want to talk to you about how God has moved this last year. So if you were here in February of last year, I, I delivered a sermon where I told you, I believe the Lord is calling us to change our very identity as a church, to go from being a church that prays to becoming a praying church. And I shared with you the difference between those two. A church that prays is a church that does great activity and they put prayer on it. And God was saying, no, 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 no. I want prayer to be front and center. I want you to be a praying church, which means you are a church defined by prayer, fueled by prayer. It is, it is core to who you are. And so we began to shift some things. Many of you remember 
We had a, a massive shift on Wednesday nights, a lot of great programming that we asked to move to different times so that on Wednesday nights we could gather together and we could pray from 6.30 to 8, crying out to God to, to do miracles. We wanted to pray like we'd never prayed before to see God move like we'd never seen him move before. And it wasn't just a Wednesday night prayer gathering. We started putting prayer into other aspects. Our staff began to pray more than we've ever prayed before as we were crying out to God to move. We started, even with the deacons now, when we meet, we do about 15, 20 minutes of business and about an hour of prayer. We just want to cry out to God. There's some of the community groups now. They have regular times of prayer. We've done more classes on prayer. We want to infuse prayer into every aspect of what we do. Pray like we never prayed before. It's to see God move like we've never seen God move before. And I'm here to tell you and to testify he has answered that prayer. Now, I want you to know that what I'm about to share with you can, uh, can be misperceived, so I want to be really cautious. I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but God allowed me to share something with you back in February that has been profoundly accurate in how the Lord has been faithful to bring it about. In fact, I want to share a, a video clip with you. I, I want you to see a little two-minute segment of a of sermon I preached right here on this stage, February 20th, 2022, where I talk to you about the prayer gathering so you can hear what we believe, not just me, what we as a leadership team believed God would do when we started to pray. Why don't you, why don't you watch this real quickly so I can tell you what the Lord did. Ever since last summer when we were talking about what it means to be a praying church, I knew at some point God was going to call us as a church body to gather together for weekly prayer, to, to call our, the, the flock together at each one of our campuses to cry out to God in prayer so we can begin to see the miracles of Almighty God. And I believe God is telling us that's what, he, that's what he's inviting us into. As we prayed as a leadership team, we believe the Lord has told us that we're supposed to gather together on Wednesday nights and we're supposed to pray from 6.30 to 8 p.m. as a church body. Now, I, I, some of you may have a memory of a prayer gathering that is not what I'm talking about. So there's some of you kind of old school church where it's like, okay, prayer meeting means you hear a sermon for 30 minutes you share prayer requests for like 20 minutes, and then you pray for maybe five or 10 minutes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us gathering together in this room and having Scripture read over us and then responding in faith as we get on our face and we pray, as we fill the altar with prayer, as we break up into groups and cry out to God, as we worship God and then pray some more, as we seek ministry as people are being prayed over around the room, as we cry out for the lost as we pray for the needs in our community and the needs of the people who gather together. And I believe that when we start to do that, we're going to begin to see the miracles of Almighty God. And these Wednesday prayer gatherings, I believe, are going to be for everybody. Not just the super righteous who knows how to pray well, because remember what I was saying, it's not the quality of your prayer, it's the quality of the one to whom we pray that matters. And so we can come in here with all our brokenness and find the power of God. All that matters is we connect to Him. And God is inviting us to do that. And I believe we are going to start to see profound miracles in here on Wednesday nights. Where marriages are going to be healed because we cry out to God together. Where people will be healed from cancer because we cry out to God and pray over them. Where people are going to have wayward children re return back to the Lord because we cry out and pray for them. Where you have friends and neighbors and family members who have rejected Christ their whole life and they're going to come to you and say, I don't know what's going on, but I need Jesus. Because we're going to be praying for them. I believe we're going to start seeing the power of Almighty God because we're going to gather together and pray. That was February 20th, 2022. Share with you what we believe God was going to do. And here's what I want to do. I want to testify to God's faithfulness. Over these last 10 months, we have seen two people with stage 4 cancer completely healed of their cancer.
at a minimum, two people. There's a gentleman who's a part of our church, been coming for many years, struggling with migraine headaches for 30 years, on and off, debilitating headaches. He was, according to James chapter 5, like we do in our prayer gatherings, anointed with oil by the elders, prayed over, and immediately his headache ceased. It has been 10 months. He has not had a single migraine headache in the last 10 months. These are miracles of Almighty God that he has been doing among us. You may not know. And there's not just physical healings that have taken place. Beautiful things. I mentioned marriages being saved. There's a couple in this room right now. They're listening. I've already said hi to them this morning. And their relationship was, was at the end of itself, about to fall apart. And they came and were prayed over, kind of a last ditch, oh God, save our relationship. And God began to move in them in powerful ways. Both of them placed their faith in Christ and were baptized. Last month, they were married right here at this church. And they have now a beautiful God-honoring marriage because God is in the business of saving relationships. There's another gentleman, I remember a prayer gathering, he was sitting right back there on those steps. Everybody else was gathered together in prayer groups. He was by himself, kind of wearing a hoodie all alone. I went up to him, I said, hey bro, do you, you wanna come pray in one of the groups? He said, no, I'm okay. I didn't recognize him at first until I talked to him and I realized he was a gentleman I knew and I hadn't seen him in a while. And when we came time to have ministry where people were being prayed over, I was down front, he came up to me and he said, hey, thanks for coming uh, to see me. Listen, man, I, um, I need prayer. I lost my job and it's my fault. I haven't been working hard. I've been lazy. I haven't been representing Christ and I got let go. And now I'm the provider for my family. I don't know how my family's gonna eat. I don't know how things are gonna work out. Would you, would you just pray for me? So we grabbed hands together and we prayed. And I just prayed, oh God, provide First of all, the lesson you want in his life, teach him and transform, and then second of all, Lord, provide for his family. He emailed me the next week and said, Jason, I just wanted you to know how God answers prayer. Before the week was out, I got offered a job, and now I accept it, and I have a means to provide for my family, and God is so good. Thank you for praying for me. Listen, it, it could have happened. Yeah, praise God. It could have happened at any moment, but the Lord waited until he came forward, humbled himself, and prayed to provide that job. I'm not saying because it was, I, I didn't do anything, I didn't pray over him. I, I prayed over him, but it was God's perfect timing to bring him in to say, I wanna show you what happens when my people cry out to me. There's a gentleman in this room, and he had been praying for his father for decades, that his father would place his faith in Jesus Christ, but it was just hard ground, wasn't moving. And we had time when we prayed together, it was actually in a deacon's meeting, he's praying for his dad, and we join in and pray for his dad as well. And then he emailed, or he texted me the next week just saying, I just want you to tell you about the faithfulness of God. I've been sharing Christ with my dad for decades, and here he is, and he is not doing well physically and emotionally and mentally, and I had a chance to share the gospel, and he placed his faith in Jesus Christ finally. Thank you guys so much for praying. It's like story after story after story of God doing these miracles that are profound. I could, I could literally spend hours telling you, big and small, all the things that God has been doing. But it's not because like we're so phenomenal, you know, we unlock this, it's just because we're praying. And God said, if you just pray like you've never prayed before, I'll show you my power like I've never shown it to you before. And, and it's been in so many ways. In fact, one of the, the clearest ways for me, one you would never even know, but it's, it's in our prayer gatherings, it's how God has been bringing people to our church. So as, as a, a thing that we do every month or two, we, we pray to the north, the south, the east, and the west, like directionally in the prayer gathering. We stand up and we face the north, and we pray asking the Lord to bring people from the north and we face the east and we pray, we face the south and we pray, face the west and we pray, asking God to bring people from the four corners to come hear the gospel. And you don't know this, 
But in my 17 years of being here at Fielder, 2022 is a time that we receive the most guest forms in the 17 years I've seen in this church. 1,063 unique guest forms in a 12-month period who have come to our church. Now, let me tell you about a guest form. A guest form is either like one college student, or if it's me, that one guest form is like eight people. So that means that at a bare minimum, that's 1,063 people who visit our church. More than likely, it's two or 3,000 people who have come to our church. Why? Because we're praying, asking the Lord to bring them. In fact, I remember this was so clear that Wednesday we had done that. We're praying and we're praying toward the east. And I just, the Lord put on many people's heart, UTA, asking God to bring people from UTA. That next Sunday, somebody comes in. It was a young lady from UTA. We, we knew it by the end of the service because she came forward. She had never been in church in her life. First Sunday ever physically to be in a church. She hears the gospel. She comes forward, places her faith in Christ, gets baptized that day before she leaves the church. Isn't that crazy? You want to know why? Because we were asking God to bring a harvest in from the east side of our city, and he did it. We, we are seeing God move in ways we've never seen him move before. And, and that's, that leads me to the clearest one. If you've been a part of the church, you know this already. We are seeing people place their faith in Jesus Christ and get baptized in ways like I have never seen in the history of this church. On Christmas Eve, we opened up for the first time that I know of baptisms. We had 12 people that night in all of our services place their faith in Christ and get baptized on Christmas Eve. Praise God. Last year, in a nine-month period, the end of March to the end of the year, <coughs> excuse me, we had 277 people place their faith in Christ and get baptized. That is outlandish that God would do that. And God's not done on on. New Year's Day, for those of you who were here, we had a combined service at 11. We had four more people place their faith in Jesus Christ and get baptized on New Year's Day. God's not done. He's still saving the lost. And, and I just, I want us to celebrate what God has done because we have prayed like we've never prayed before and God has brought a harvest like we have never seen before in our lives. Miracles and salvation and change. And I, I, I told you that February 20th by faith, this is what I believe God is gonna do. And I have the privilege to stand before you right now and say God has been faithful. He has done what he said he would do. Now, guys, don't, don't go off clap the Lord, all right? Don't, don't do it. Let, let me, let me, maybe what you're struggling with is uh, misperception. Let me, let me be really clear about something. This is not because I finally figured out how to preach. Uh, my preaching level has been unchanged over the last, like, decade. I'm not getting any better. I hope I'm not getting any worse. I'm about the same. Pastor Gary, every Sunday he comes going, look, I got a sermon. Look, if yours isn't good enough, let me know. I'll, I'll bring mine. He's ready to bring the heat. And he keeps on asking every Sunday because I haven't gotten any better. <laughs> so it's not because I figured out how to preach and that's what changed things. It's not because we, like, we, we finally discovered this ministry and now that we do this ministry, people are, that's not, we haven't changed anything. The only thing we've changed is we pray like we've never prayed before. Let me tell you what that means. It means the only reason these miracles are happening is because we have a God who is good and a God who is faithful. Do you believe that? Listen, that, that clapping is for the King of Kings because he's the one who deserves it. We have seen God move. Our church is in the healthiest place I've seen our church. And I'm just so honored to be a part of those people of faith, men and women of faith who say, God, we just wanna cry out to you to see what you can do. We're gonna do less and watch you do more. And he is showing what he can do. But that leads me to what I believe the Lord wants to do in 2023. You see, I think the Lord is saying, I have brought thousands of people to you. I've brought all these people to faith for a very important reason. 
so you can shepherd them, so you can disciple them. And I think the Lord is issuing us a warning. And that warning is, if we do not disciple and shepherd the sheep that the Lord is bringing to us, he will not continue to bring them to us. I wanna share some very sobering statistics with you. Of that 1,063 guests that we had come to our church, right now, we ran some numbers, about 15% of them have been connected to community where they're being discipled and shepherded. That means 85% of them are not. Now, praise God, we have a, a full room in here. People are coming. We should have about three services in this room if all those guests were connecting. But 85% of them are either remaining anonymous or bouncing off and not connecting. That's a problem. Maybe even uh, oh, a, a statistic that gives me more fear and trembling is the 277 who were baptized in 2022. Only 26% of them have gotten connected to a community where they're being discipled, where they're known by name and they're being shepherded. That means three quarters of them right now, infant in their faith, are not shepherded by enemy, are not being discipled. They're all alone, easy pickings for the enemy. And I think the Lord is telling us, if we do not shepherd his sheep, he will not continue to send us sheep. He loves his sheep way too much to let them go unshepherded. And that's what the message is the Lord has for us today. He wants to teach us the need to shepherd the flock. And if this message is just for me, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to put up with it. But the Lord is teaching me something right now from Ezekiel 34. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Ezekiel 34. <coughs> now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a passage. It's a very uh, fear-inducing passage for those of us who are shepherds of sheep. It's, uh, it's how fiercely God loves his sheep. Now, the context of Ezekiel is that the Jewish nation has been destroyed. Assyria took out Israel. Babylon took down Judah. Jerusalem has been ransacked. The temple has been torn down. The Jewish people have been exiled all over the Babylonian empire. They're scattered. They're alone. They're vulnerable. But God has still brought shepherds all over the world to care for the sheep. But they're not caring for the sheep. And I want you to hear what the Lord has to say about it. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what it says. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. <coughs> prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, and the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. The condition. Now, they're in the exile. They're scattered all over the place. And he's calling out his shepherds, the spiritual leaders. And he's going, where are you? Can't you see how much they need to be fed spiritually? He's not talking about physical food. He's talking about spiritual food. You were supposed to feed them my word. You're not feeding them. They're hurting, and you're not binding them up. I'm a God of healing. I'm Jehovah Rapha, and you're not healing them. They're wandering away, and you're not going after them. He's saying, shepherds, where are you? Now listen, there's a chance you may be here right now, or maybe watching online, and you're going, okay, I, I think you're describing me. I feel like that person, that lost sheep. I feel like no one even knows my name. I, I feel like I could show up at church one Sunday and leave and not come back for another two months, and no one would ever care. No one would ever reach out to me. I'm hurting right now, and nobody knows who I am. Um, I need to be bound up and no one's bringing healing. 
I can feel myself wandering away from the faith and no one seems to care. Maybe you just, you feel all alone right now. If that's you, I want you to hear how fiercely the Father wants to fight for you, how much you matter to him. When he sees his sheep who are mistreated, listen to what he says in verses seven through 10. You're gonna see the fierceness of God. He says, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Now the hammer's about to drop. Verse 10, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. He says, I will stand against the shepherds and I will require my sheep from them. I will fight for my sheep. Shepherds, if you're not gonna shepherd my sheep, then I'm gonna get you out of the way because I care too much about my sheep. Now listen, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, if I'm being honest with you, that verse scares the mess out of me because I know what my calling is. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of this church, but he has called me under him to shepherd the flock. And it means that if you are one of those people who feels alone and unseen and uncared for, I'm gonna stand before Almighty God one day and he's gonna say, Jason, I gave you these sheep. Why didn't you care for them? That scares the mess out of me. But one of the things the Lord has been teaching me is that it is not my job to to know every single one of the sheep here. I can't possibly know all of you by name, all of your stories, all of your conditions. I can't possibly know if all of you are are wandering away from the faith. So the Lord has brought shepherds to work alongside with me. Some of those are the pastoral staff. Some of those are community group leaders, D group leaders, equip class leaders, support group leaders. Some of those are volunteer. If you have been given any sheep whatsoever, you are one of the shepherds of this church. Whether you have a a title pastor or not, whether you have a seminary degree or not is irrelevant. If you have been given sheep that you're supposed to lead over, you are a shepherd and God has called all of us to shepherd the sheep and every single one of us should be scared out of our wits to know we've been given sheep if we are not shepherding them. If they're slipping out of our group and we don't even go after them. If they're hurting and we don't even know and pray for them. Because the father loves his sheep and he's gonna hold every single one of us shepherds responsible for it. That's the scary part of it. But the beautiful part of this is if you are one of those sheep, if you are one of the people who needs to be shepherded, here's what the Lord is saying. You have the right to demand to be shepherded. It should be your expectation that your faith family knows you by name, that there's somebody who knows you and prays for you and comes after you if you start to wander away. It is what God wants for you because he fiercely loves you that way. You should demand it. Now, I wanna be cautious I'm not saying you should demand that I know your name, that I pray for you, that I necessarily am able to come after you if you start wandering away. It's not just one person, but there should be a shepherd for every single one of you who knows you by name and is coming after you. And I'll shepherd the shepherds who will shepherd you. But every single one of you should demand it. And and one thing the Lord has put heavy on my heart is that this morning I need to issue an apology to you. I have not led you well in this. I have let the excuse that this church is a large church rule and say, well, I just can't know them all. I can't possibly shepherd every single one of them. And the Lord has been all over me saying, you don't get to use that as an excuse, Jason. One day you're gonna stand before me and I am gonna hold my sheep accountable under your care. 
And I am sorry that I have not led, that it's taken me this long to get to the point to realize that we need to do this. It took God moving in a way I've never seen him move before to, to me finally realize that we have got to do things differently. I want to lead this church in such a way that every single one of you, if you come to this church and this becomes your church home, you cannot wander away without somebody coming after you. You can't hurt without somebody knowing and praying for you. You can't have a need without somebody partnering with you. You will be shepherded. I want to lead this church in such a way, and I believe 2023 is the place the Lord is calling us to move, to where the only reason you would not be shepherded is because you stiff arm me and say, I don't want to be shepherded. I want to put the ball back in your court. I want to do everything I can to ensure that you're shepherded. I can't force you to be shepherded, but I want the only reason that you're not shepherded is that you're running away from those who are trying to shepherd you. And that actually brings me to what I believe to be your responsibility. I'm telling you mine, to do everything I can to organize things in such a way that every single one of you is known by name, prayed for, cared for, and sought after. But I can only do that if every single one of you comes out of hiding and says, I choose to be known, shepherded, cared for, and connected. I choose to be shepherded. And there are many of you, especially in this room, there are many of you watching online, you prefer to be at a safe distance. It's just easier that way. I can come, I can receive a sermon, I can have some worship, I can receive some nourishment, and then I can go my way and there's no demands made of my time. I'm not asked to do anything. I'm not getting too close to weird people. I'm just keep my safe distance, get what I need, and I can control the tempo. It feels safe, but you are so vulnerable. <clears throat> the enemy knows he can come after you if you stay isolated. If you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm not gonna read it, but go to chapter four and read about how if a cord of three strands is together, it's not easily broken, but one cord, pop. If you're all alone, the enemy can break you. It talks about how if one person's walking alone, he falls and there's no one to pick him up, woe is he, but if two people are walking, the other person can pick him up. If you are all alone and you fall, the enemy can keep you down, but when you got other people around you, they can pull you right back up. You are a sitting duck if you are all alone. And the Lord is saying, no longer should you be all alone. You need to be connected. You need to be shepherded. Somebody needs to know you and fight for you and come after you. And I want to do, do for you in leading this church to put this church at a point where we're fighting harder for you than hell is fighting against you. That's my commitment. That the shepherds of this church will fight harder for you because I guarantee Satan is fighting against you. But you got to let us know. You can't stay on the sidelines. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to get your phone out and do something to make a step toward being connected where you can have a shepherd. And listen, the moment I get to that, every single one of you, all these excuses can start rolling up in your minds. I guarantee it. It's gonna be this excuse of, man, I did that before. I tried it out. I got connected with this D group, bunch of weirdos. It was the scariest thing of mine. I couldn't get out fast enough. Or maybe you're like, I was in a community group. I got stabbed in the back. I know how that goes. I ain't doing that again. Or, or maybe... Maybe for you, it's one of those uh, personal issues. Like I, I, know, I know I got my junk and I'm messed up and I don't need to tell everybody else how screwed up I am. So if I could just stay at a safe distance, they won't know how screwed up I really am. It's just better for everybody if I just stay away. Or maybe, probably the biggest one, you're going, all right, what loose second in my week am I gonna give to this? Because every second of my week is mapped out. I mean, I can barely make it to bed and you want me to add something else to my calendar to be in a community group or a D group or something else like that? There's just no way, Jason, not gonna happen. And here's what I'm gonna say. If, if any of those thoughts are floating around your head, 
I get it, they're real thoughts, but it's exactly what the enemy wants to use to keep you from the very place you need to be. Satan is the great deceiver. His language is lies. And what he's gonna do is he's gonna use those excuses to, to prove to you in his lying fashion that you got no margin for it, you're better alone. So he can keep you broken and down. And there comes a moment, this is what I'm asking you to do this morning. I am asking you to spit in the eye of the devil this morning and say, I'm not gonna let you lie to me. I know I need to be shepherded, I need to be known. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If, if you wouldn't mind, grab your phone, right? Every single one of you, whether you're in a community group or a D group or not, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to scan the QR code in the seat back in front of you. When you do, it'll take you to this splash page right here that has that light blue, dark blue. So again, regardless of whether you're in a group or not, even if this is the first Sunday here, the guest form's on this, so go ahead and go there. Just get this, if you're watching online, go to fuel.org slash connect, the same place as before, <clears throat> and we're all gonna be looking at the exact same thing here. So you're gonna see a second line down. It says, I choose to be shepherded. So if you click on that, it's gonna take you, there's a little bit of info on the top, bilingual, you can skip down, you first choose language. I imagine if you're here, it's probably English, but we also have Spanish. And then there's gonna be nine other questions after that one for you to answer. This will take you literally 30 seconds. The very first question says, which campus location do you attend? It's, this is Pioneer Campus, so if you normally come here, that's the one. Uh, if you're watching online right now and you are normally at the Grand Prairie Campus or South Oaks Campus, you put that one down. If you only watch online, you're the online campus, and that's an option as well. Then you put, put first name, last name, age, gender, email, phone, and then it says what best describes you. Single, married, without kids, married, with kids, college student. It's not hard. And all these are just trying to help us know how to get you connected to the right place. Now, let me tell you who needs to fill this form out. Every single one of you who are not in a community group or a discipleship group. Now, if you're not in any one of those two, you need to, you need to fill this out. If you don't know what a community group or a discipleship group is, you're probably not in one. So just go ahead and know that. And then you fill this out. Now, let me go ahead and before you finalize that, <clears throat> you are not signing up for anything by filling this out. All you're doing is telling the discipleship team that you're ready to come out of hiding. Maybe you haven't been in a group in a long time and you're ready to get reconnected. So if you are not in a community group or a D group, I wanna invite you, and we're praying that hundreds of you, right now about 50% of our church regularly attends, of, of average attendance on Sunday, regularly attends a community group or a D group. Uh, and we're praying that the other 50% would come out of hiding and say, okay, I need this. So that's you. You can actually ignore what I'm gonna say as I keep on going. Do that right now, fill it out right now. Takes you about 30 seconds, get all the way. And all I'm asking you to do is to fight the temptation to push against it, to go, I don't know, what's this? It's gonna, all you're gonna do is you're gonna get an automated email and then we have a team that'll reach out to you by phone. Not to, we're not trying to sell you a condo in Tahiti. We're not, we're not gonna pressure you into anything. We're just trying to figure out how to help you get connected where you need to get connected so you can be shepherded. And, and it may be in a community group. It may be in a D group. Or we may take a group you're already in, a support group or an equip class or some other group and just help that become a, a community where you're shepherded. We're not trying to add anything extra. We just wanna make sure you're at a place where you're known, cared for, loved, and sought after. Now, the discipleship team doesn't know this. Jim Parks is hearing this for the first time. But I, there's another option that I wanna give you. And that option is, it, it, may, it may be you're not, you have no margin for a group, so the only thing you're signing up for is for a deacon to call you every three to six months 
just to, to check in on you, to see how you're doing, to pray over you, and see if you're ready to get connected to a group. You're just saying, I want to be shepherded. I want someone to fight for my spiritual well-being. I'm ready to come out of hidings. It, it may not be any kind of time requirement at all, but you're just willing to say yes. You get to choose what's best for you. So I'm asking you to do that right now. Now, if you are already in a discipleship group or a community group, there's something else you can do on this exact same form. Now, if you go to the very bottom, you, it says, I want to be shepherded. That's the first group. I want to be shepherded. But the second thing it says is I want to shepherd others. We believe we're going to need at least 200 new shepherds to be able to step into this role. If we, if we move 50% of our regular tenants up to 75%, we're going to need dozens and dozens of groups. If we move the connection rate of 15% up to 50% of guests, we're gonna need hundreds of new groups to, be, to provide a place for them to be shepherded and discipled. We believe we need 200 people to step up and say, okay, I'm ready. This doesn't mean you got it figured out, that you're a great shepherd, you know what you're doing. It just means you're saying, here I am, Lord. If you want me to shepherd some sheep, I'm willing to do it. We'll train you, we'll equip you, we'll get it all set up. You're just saying, here am I, use me. And there are some of you, you're scared to death to say yes to that because you feel so inadequate, so incapable. But if you're running from something God is calling you to, go ahead and read the book of Jonah and see how that went for him when he ran away from God's call. A spoiler alert, he ends up inside a, a fish. Doesn't go well. So don't let that be you. If God is calling you to shepherd, he is gonna win sooner or later. He's gonna hold you accountable anyway. You might as well say, okay, I'll do it. And we'll partner with you and help you get ready. So if you are in a group and you're going, okay, I know what this looks like. I know how important it is. I'm ready to shepherd somebody else. You let us know. And the discipleship team will reach out to you and get you ready for that. So I pray you would do that right now. Fill it out. While I'm talking, take that step of faith because we need the shepherds. Now, I'm gonna finish with one last thing before we close everything up. There, there are some of you right here, and it, it's everything I'm saying to you is irrelevant until you get one thing right. I've been talking about how fiercely the Father loves his sheep and protects his sheep. But I gotta tell you this, not every single one of you in this room are one of the father's sheep. And maybe that sounds harsh, but I wanna make sure you understand, this not, this not means what God's word says. There is a moment that God divides between the good sheep and the bad sheep. If you were to go to Ezekiel 34 again, and, and you were to keep on reading down, I'm not gonna read it, verse 17, it says, <coughs> excuse me, God is gonna judge between his sheep and he's gonna separate the sheep and move the rams from the goats. Jesus himself replicates this in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, separate the sheep from the goats. There are two groups, those that are his, the good sheep, and the bad sheep. And the real question is, before we end today, is which one are you? Are you one of the good sheep that are part of his flock, or are you one of the bad sheep? Now listen, when I ask this question to people, and I do from time to time, I ask them, the number one thing I hear from people is, Oh man, I hope I'm one of the good sheep. I'm trying really hard. That's why in 2023, I'm here because I wanna change my, I wanna be a good sheep. I'm, I'm trying not to cuss so much. I'm trying not to drink so much. I'm trying not to sleep around so much. I'm trying not to lie so much. I'm, I'm trying not to be so angry. I, I wanna be a better person and I'm really praying that I make the cut. It's a very natural sentiment. <clears throat> but if that's you, I wanna, I wanna give you some really bad news. You will never make the cut. Jeremiah 17, 9 ruins it for all of us. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can even understand it? Our hearts are screwed up royally. 
It means that if you try by willpower to change your ways, you may last a day. If you're strong, maybe a week or a month. If you're really, really, really strong, maybe a whole year. But you're gonna flop right on back down and you're gonna go right back to that sin because your heart, the wellspring, is broken. You cannot make yourself a good sheep when you're a bad sheep. That's the bad news. But praise God, we have something called the gospel, which is the good news. And the good news is Jesus Christ decided to be the good sheep that we couldn't be, die on a cross so that we could receive his righteousness. In fact, even in Ezekiel, the gospel is there. I want you to read verses 22, 23, and 24. 22 says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. There it is. God will judge between the sheep. He will separate the good sheep from the bad sheep. We know it's going to happen. But look at verses 23 and 24. God says, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and my ser- he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I the Lord will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. I will raise up one shepherd, and he will shepherd my flock, and he will be prince among them, my King David. Now let me go ahead and give you a history lesson. This isn't talking about the real King David because he's already been dead for centuries at this point. He's talking about somebody who would come from the lineage of David, somebody who would be born in a city called Bethlehem, the town of David, according to the line of David. This somebody that we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, a man named Jesus, the one who would come from the line of David, who would be the prince, who would save his people, who would be the good shepherd. Now, I want to finish up by flipping over to John chapter 10. I want you to hear what Jesus says. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, I know my own and I lay down my life for the sheep. No one took Jesus' life. He willingly let go of his life so he could be the lamb who was slaughtered so that every single one of us bad sheep could throw our sin upon that slaughtered lamb and be forgiven of it. Though we were covered in muck and mire and we were dirty outside the flock, Jesus allowed our sins to be washed away. Here we are, woolly white, and now we become a part of the flock of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, because he laid down his life. And there's only one way to become a part of his flock. You hear his voice and you respond. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Exactly what he said in Ezekiel 34, one flock, one shepherd, because Jesus will make one flock. There are people outside the fold, those who were lost, those who haven't been saved yet. He says, I gotta go after them. I gotta bring them in. And how's he gonna bring them in? He's gonna call them, and he says, they will hear my voice. They will listen to my voice. That word listen in Greek means listen and obey. When I call for them, they will come. And I believe that this morning, Jesus is calling some of you. There were a number of us who were here on Friday morning. We were walking around the room and we were praying. On Wednesday night of last week, we were, there were dozens of us walking around, there hundreds of us walking around the room praying. And what we were praying is that you would hear the voice of Jesus right now. Let me tell you what he's saying to some of you. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to come to me. He says, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. 
Right now, this morning, come to me. He's calling some of you. And the moment you begin to hear his voice, the enemy is gonna try to drown it out. And he's gonna say, no, that, that's just your own voice. That's not really Jesus. He's not calling you. No, no, you can't come down front. If you come down front, you, you, it's all fake. You're not good enough for it. No, 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 you can't change your ways. You're stuck or you'd be just trying to fool yourself. Don't, don't, don't worry, don't come down. That's not Jesus. He's trying to drown out the voice of Jesus in your heart and in your mind. And we have been praying for you that the voice of Jesus would be louder. And if he is calling you right now and he's telling you to come, in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to take a literal step of faith and to come down front. And when you come down front, there are gonna be pastors and there are gonna be prayer team members who are gonna be ready to receive you. And you're not coming to one of them, you're coming to Jesus. And we're gonna grab hands with you, we're gonna pray for you, and then we're gonna help you go make sure you understand the gospel. And if you're ready, we're gonna allow you to get changed and put on a t-shirt that says, Jesus in my place, remembering he was the lamb who was slaughtered in my place so we can become a part of the flock of God. And you can come to this baptistry this morning and be baptized as a sign of saying, the old me's been washed clean. There's a brand new sheep coming out who is a part of the flock of Almighty God. Today is the beginning of my new me. And it all starts by hearing his voice when he says, come, and you say, yes, Jesus, I'm coming. I don't know how much faith it's gonna take for you. I know it's gonna take a lot. But I'm praying the voice of Jesus is loud. I'm praying that you feel so uncomfortable you can't sit in your seat, and in a moment you come. I'm gonna let you do that. I pray you get ready, but before I do, I wanna say one last thing. There are some of you here this morning and you're hurting. Maybe you're sick, maybe you're bruised, maybe you're injured, maybe you're feeling alone, and you need ministry. Listen, there is a good shepherd who's ready to bind you up, who's ready to heal you, who's ready to come after you. And he wants to do ministry to you. All you gotta do is come to the good shepherd. If you need prayer, I'm gonna open this up for you to come down front and you can be prayed over. You're not coming to one of these prayer team members, you're coming to the good shepherd and we're gonna cry out to him to ask him to minister to you. So if you need prayer for anything, it's gonna be open for you. I invite you all to stand up right now. I invite the prayer team members and staff to spread around the front. If you need prayer, you can make your way down front. Let them take your need to the good shepherd so he can meet it. But most importantly, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't stiff arm him. You come, you come down front and you say, I, I hear he's calling me and I'm ready. I'm ready to follow him. I'm ready to be changed. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus Christ. Today can be the day of salvation. If you need it, you come down front.